Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 54th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am your host for this episode and the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. And we are here in yet another installment of our so awkwardly titled Falcon and the Winter Soldier review series called Socially and the Winter Distanced. I don't remember what part it is because I hate that name so much, but we don't <laughs> have a better one. So before I get into my guests and my co-host for this episode, I just want to remind everyone, yes, this is this is Thursday when you're listening to us, hopefully. Uh, this Sunday is the Oscars. Yes, the calendar is weird. Every, it's like the last thing you were probably thinking about. But yes, the Oscars are on Sunday. So what I would love for everyone to do is Go to um, Spotify, Ankle, Google, or Apple podcast platforms and check out the Way Too Early Oscar podcast that we are posting podcasts every single day about all the categories. It's hosted by our film editor and Rotten Tomatoes certified film reviewer, Marissa Carpico, and our favorite senior human on thepopbreak.com, former TV editor, Matt Taylor. They are breaking down every single category. So if you have an Oscar pool that you're involved in or going to get involved in, much like my co-host, Al Manorino, who is a terrible yet compulsive gambler, maybe not that compulsive, but he shouldn't gamble because he's bad at it. Listen to these podcasts and you will get great insight on who you should pick for your Oscar pools. And also, it's a hilarious podcast. It's very insightful. It's very intelligent. It's the best Oscar podcast in the business. The Way Too Early Oscar Podcast. Check it out on all your favorite podcast platforms. But now that we got the housekeeping out of the way, let's get into the episode and who is on the pod with me. I already mentioned him as one of the worst gamblers in the world. But he's <laughs> live from the ranch and it is the managing editor of thepopbreak.com. Al Manorino, what's going on? The man wearing a Run the Spider-Verse t-shirt. Represent. Uh, I'm great. Thank you for the both great and terrible intro. Of course. Um, yeah, speaking of gambling, my the beer of choice tonight is uh, a oldie but a goodie, something else I've drank on the pod before, but uh, Ship Bottom Breweries Do Not Pass Goza. Uh, mm. Great uh, beer that they collaborated with the AC Beer Fest which did not happen last year, or I think is rescheduled for this year, wasn't it? Or is that canceled again? Maybe. No one knows things about scheduling anymore. Oh, man. My, one of the concerts I bought tickets for in 2019 just got rescheduled for 2022. Is that My Chemical Romance? That is My Chemical Romance. Well, that's what you get for buying shitty concert tickets. Uh, I am yeah. going, oh, guess what? I don't Take like the Black back. Parade, guys. I'm sorry. I'm old. That was way too young for me. I don't like crying in my music, okay? My niece now listens to them, and she's 12. Congratulations. You will listen to the same music as my 12-year-old niece. She's great. Okay. Hey. Joining me on this podcast. <laughs> booty, shots booty at you. your niece. Yeah. Booty. She does not care. She'll take shots at me all day. It's Boo, fine. Boo to you. Shout out to your niece. Uh, yeah, for sure. Crushing it. She, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, we are joined as we have been every single week on this terribly named review series by the man who does not want to be Ryan Barry, but is Ryan Barry, comedian Ryan Barry. Welcome back, sir. Hi, dads. Hey, buddy. <laughs> well, you're joined by a non-dad this week. Yes, uh, he which is, is a relief. He is, while he might not be a father, 
He is the father of a, of a child, I should say. He's uh, that we know of. He Wait, is what? the father <laughs> of the Pop Breaks podcast network. He is our the impresario of all things audio, and uh, he is constantly our guest on penultimate episodes he you might have heard him on the penultimate review episode of the mandalorian season two and of wandavision he is the host of the cinema joe's podcast goodbye to all that for now and tv break mr alex marcus welcome back hi thank you for that very confusing introduction bill hey this is what i do guys this is what i do (laughs) so we are here talking about yes off the rails completely we are here talking about episode five of the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, entitled Truth. And now we are going to get into our first segment, which is the debriefing. Of course, this is the episode recap live from Wikipedia. The episode starts with Wilson and Barnes demanding the shield from John Walker, leading to a fight in which Walker destroys Wilson's wing suit. Wilson and Barnes obtain the shield and break Walker's arm. Later, Barnes finds Zemo in Sokovia, and he is handed over to Dora Milaje, while Walker receives an an other-than-honorable discharge and is stripped of his title of Captain America. Afterwards, Walker is approached by Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. You can call her Val, just don't, but just remember it. Wilson leaves the damaged wingsuit with Torres and visits Isaiah Bradley, who states his belief that a black man cannot and should not become Captain America. Wilson returns home and helps fixes the family boat with assistance from several locals, as well as Barnes, who delivers a briefcase from the Wakandans to Wilson. Barnes and Wilson train with the Captain America shield and agree to move on from their past and work together. The Flag Smashers plan an attack on a GRC conference in New York City and are joined by Baltrock, who has been secretly hired by Sharon Carter. In a mid-credit scene, John Walker builds a new shield from scrap metal and his war medals. A scene I didn't realize happened until I saw that description. Uh, And I watched it. Um, (laughs) So, guys, this was not the action-heavy episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier we've been used to. Um, In fact... We've seen, as you know, we saw with WandaVision, that was more of a, we call a little Exposition Jones episode where they just go into, like, here's everything that happened. This, in my opinion, was not that, but it was a lot of sorting out of a lot of complex feelings, dealing with a lot of major issues, both in the MCU and in real-life society, and also introducing us to a character that is apparently going to be a massive part of the MCU. So Ryan, I'm going to start with you first. Talk about how you felt about this episode departing, except for that, you know, that first opening scene, right. Going into more of a character driven drama. It, okay. So leading up to it, I think that my expectations were really high, but I, I didn't know in like what manner exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. It started off fun fight scene. Um, I thought that was really great. Again, I really love the way that they handle Sam and like the way that he's just able to kind of maneuver and all that stuff. One of those shots that I loved is when they finally get the shield back and Bucky's holding it in like that, that beam of light. And I was just like, Oh, that's pretty beautiful. But yeah, then it kind of just, it like pulls in a little bit and 
First time I watched it, I was like, this is the slowest episode. And I I can understand that we kind of need to take a step back and explore them, these characters a little bit more. I like that Sam went back home with his sister because um, I thought that that was important. And then of course, uh, Isaiah Bradley, I really liked that they brought him back into that. That was my favorite scene. Uh, and I think, you know, whatever is going to happen in the next episode, this was just sort of the calm before the storm. So even though this had some of like my favorite moments, it was my least favorite episode. And uh, even watching it the second time, I liked it a whole lot more. But um, yeah, still not my fave. Not my fave. Alex Ahente. Your thoughts on them departing from the action-heavy stuff that we've seen, and like I said, I opposed to Ryan doing a more of a character and uh, thematic-driven dr- episode, leading us to the finale. Was that to me? Yeah, you are Alex Ahente. Yes, I'm sorry. It's a terrible okay. joke. <laughs> is I don't know what that means. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is there a fifth person on this podcast? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> My daughter. um okay no i thought that this was i i can understand what ryan's saying um but i enjoy the episode um more than i didn't i thought that we really did need at this point some time for the characters to like decompress and process their feelings and because we've had so much stuff kind of like thrown at these people for the last few episodes and in order to get especially Sam, most of all, to the place that he needs to be in the finale where he presumably puts on his new Captain America suit and, like, saves the day and, like, uh, rises up to take on that mantle. He really had to do some emotional processing, um, and I appreciated that they took the time to do that. I thought the issue that I had with it was more of a pacing issue. Like, it was, like, all of the segments made sense on paper and within their own context. They were more or less well-executed, some more, some less. Um, But they didn't really flow necessarily very well together as a single like unit of television. And I think that was kind of the issue. So it kind of feels like you're just kind of like moving from like beat to beat to beat without like a lot of flow. And I think it was kind of saggy in parts. Like I think some of those scenes went on maybe a little bit too long and were a little bit redundant in places. Um, so I feel like if you shaved off like 10 minutes, this, this episode could have been like a lot cleaner and, uh, and maybe just had a little bit of a, a different organization so there was more of a narrative flow to it. Like, I would have really liked if we didn't keep checking in with John Walker so often. I feel like you kind of get everything you need in that opening sequence. And then, okay, he, like, goes to Washington and he has that moment where he, like, really just assembles in front of the senator. Like, okay, have that. But then we go back to him again when with he's talking family. to his partner's family. And I understand that that was meant to kind of convey, like, the way that he's doing a very poor job coping with what happened, but we already kind of saw that in the opening sequence. And then in the follow-up scene in Congress, we didn't need a third scene to get that point across, I don't think. And then we come back to him again in the end sequence in like the, in the end credit scene. I agree. I think, I think with John Walker, you didn't need the Lamar scene because it was just like, you know, him giving this half-hearted, you know, this sort of, I don't know if he really bought, you know, condolence speech and then him pensively walking by and like almost touching the poster of him as Captain America as he walked by. It's like, like you said, we got that already. Literally, we saw him when he said, 
okay, now it's time to go to work in the beginning. Like he was over it. He's like, he's over Lamar's death already. And I think, and I think we also got that moment of his confusion with uh, Val. I think that worked well. If you had ended there and then given us the end credit sequence, I think that would have been cool. And I also agree with your thoughts about the connective tissue of the scenes. I think this felt like a bunch of vignettes that were kind of Uh put together. And as an episodic flow, didn't really work for me that well either, even though I did really like the episode. So Al, <clears throat> we, we've had an issue with the last, even though they're not in the same universe with the Mandalorian season two and with WandaVision, uh, we've had a little bit of a rough go with the penultimate episode setting us up for the finale. It's almost like the anti ultimate episode. Uh, thank you, Alex. I said it <laughs> twice in two podcasts. Um, that, that, uh, next to next to last episode, um, sets us up better. Do you think this sets us up into a good position to go into the finale of this episode? I don't think this for not only does this set you up for the finale, but it sets you up for season two. And I think that's a great thing about a penultimate episode. Cause I feel like the penultimate episode needs to set you up for a finale and the finale should be the finale and then give you a little tease for season two. This does it an even better job of sent, you know, either setting up season two or just an expanded Disney plus universe. Right. Cause I think we talked about it last week about like, you know, does John Walker die at the end of this? Do we get more John Walker later? Um, they made a pretty great case for why he should stay, not just because of the amount of screen time he had this week, but because of that invitation from the new Madam Hydra um, for people who read the comics, that character becomes Madame Hydra. Um, you know, this could be, you know, John Walker can lead a sort of like dark Avengers, you know, uh, like a, I do have know. a question about that as a name. There is a group name thrown around. So I do have that for a mandatory therapy section. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah. So I thought this did a really great job of doing that. It definitely set up like things that I wanted this show to touch on. We kept talking the last couple episodes of like, how are they dealing with, race how are they dealing with sam those are the two things that i really cared about because they introduced those two things of like if sam's going to take over the, the mantle why and what does that mean to him and then on the other flip side of that is is this show doing a good enough job of displaying that i feel like sam specifically in the last couple episodes was being overshadowed by zemo and Bucky, like that, those storylines, and it is called Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I think ultimately this is Sam's story. And I think this episode was like, yeah, we are finally showing you that this is Sam's story and Bucky is just assisting in this. Um, and listen, the episode title itself, Truth. I mean, the, the, the Isaiah Bradley story is Truth, Red, White, and Blue. That's where that whole you know, uh, Black Captain America storyline comes from. So I was a big fan of that. And I totally agree with Alex. I think some of the scenes ran on long. It was tough going, trying to fill all of these characters in and do it in a way where we keep coming back to them. And I guess the power broker reveal, and you'll probably touch on that too, but like even that just felt like thrown in there. So I understand that. Was that the the reveal? No, I don't think it was a reveal. I don't feel like they certainly didn't treat it like a reveal. We'll get it. Don't worry. We'll have to to talk about that. I actually made notes, guys. We'll get (laughs) it. I felt that that was what that was. Well, we'll get into that shortly. Don't worry. Because it made no other sense otherwise. Anyway. Well, 
Um, so let's so, get, yeah. Right. Sorry, I'll, I'll cut myself off, but yes. But I just before we move on, I want to say <laughs> I I agree completely with Al. Like for me, what after watching the first episode of this season, um, it was very clear to me that the trajectory that we were going to be watching was Sam, who is a reluctant hero, someone who wants to hang up the mantle, he doesn't want to take it on, uh, being surrounded by all of these different flawed heroes, where they all they all of these figures, every single person that's around. Sam feels as though they are the hero of their own story and their means justify uh, the ends that they are trying to reach. And none of them are this perfect kind of Captain America that he's used to with Steve. And he's kind of like taking bits and pieces of this experience and learning like, okay, how can I formulate my own identity as a hero? How can I rise to the mantle to be inspired by all of these people in different ways and also rise above them and be someone that can truly honor the mantle? And for the same reason why he, at the start of this season, felt like he shouldn't pick it up. And so I think for that purpose, this episode was incredibly important because it really grapples with the the very uh, difficult sort of racial questions of like whether a black man even should be Captain America, whether they should want to hold that title, given what this country has done to their people. Um, and I think it also kind of like his empathy towards what... Um, what uh the flag smashers are all about and his empathy towards you know like the fact that even though he doesn't support zemo he doesn't like zemo like there's an aspect to zemo and the way that he carries himself and the way that he is so single-minded that is also useful for him to process and i think this whole episode is about sam processing everything that he has seen and really taking it in and deciding how he can use it to become a better hero than any of these other supporting figures. And to that, I think it's a really successful episode. I just feel like if that was the point, we could have maybe shaved off some of the extraneous stuff and let the ensemble kind of breathe and let it be more focused on Sam. I agree. Yeah. Let us move into our next category, which is the prime assets, which is going to be talking about our guest stars for the episode. And boy, oh boy. Uh, so I was originally, I didn't watch the episode. Everyone was talking about the big cameo. And we have we were wondering, will we get one now? We, we all kind of knew from WandaVision. We're like, okay, guys, let's not let our imaginations run wild. Power broker. We're like, okay, it has to be someone in the show. Let's not get out of control. And what does Marvel do? They said, silly boys, silly girls. <laughs> we got you. We got you. Because you know what? Here's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And she's basically like a, a version of her character in Veep just comes in, railroads everybody, and introduces herself essentially as Lady Hydra. Now, I had Adam. watched this... Um, Madam Hydra. Madam Hydra. Uh, I put some respect on it. I'm sorry. Or Madame. Uh, uh, <laughs> Madame Hydra. Or Val, but just don't call it that. And yeah. I, so I heard, so when I had I watched this on Saturday, and before I got into it, I had heard that, it, you know, I had seen Coulson's name thrown around, and I had seen someone, because there was Spider-Man news. I saw Spider-Man trending. I'm like, why would they put Coulson in? Isn't he a droid? Like, what's happening? Like, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is done. Are we going to really bring him back? And then I'm like, Spider-Man? I was like, that's random. Why would you bring Spider-Man into this? Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone saw this coming. If you did, uh, I'm going to ask you to buy lottery tickets for me and just bet on <laughs> things for me for the rest of my life because you are a genius. But 
to me, this car- this cameo was completely out of left field as opposed to the character and it, and the actress. And I thought I'm just, and then reading, she's going to be a huge part of the MCU going forward. I'm like, yes, perfect. Thank you. I'd like 10 more helpings of this. Um, so Alex, you're our esteemed guest for this week. What did you think of Julia Louis-Dreyfus comic comedy royalty on television coming into the MCU in this? Role? I mean, I'm very excited, obviously, because she's great. She's so fun in everything that she does. She's really, she's also very willing to be like an unlikable character. And she's really good at making an unlikable character very charismatic and very funny and someone that you want to spend time with. And I think, like, what better person to have as this sort of like extended guest star like sam jackson alternative like it's so like counterintuitive in certain ways but also really fun and i'm really excited the only thing that would have made it better is if as she left uh she like walks up to tony hale who like hands her her purse like that would have been <laughs> icing on the cake it's funny i think i i think i would I love saw... it even if it was a cameo just like he doesn't say anything he just hands her her purse and just walks and i'm just like good that's all i need yeah all I, was need. It, I was gonna say i think so I didn't watch it like at midnight or anything. And I at work. So I watched it like, I think Friday night. We know and I think, have responsibility. I know. And I think I saw on Twitter and I, I always try to stay offline, but at the same time, like habits. And I just like, Oh, let me go to Twitter. I saw something about Tony Hale and did not piece it together at all. Cause I like quickly like, jumped out of it. I'm like, I don't know. So when I saw her, I I think I immediately paused it and I messaged Bill and I think the exact words I said were, "Hold on, I gotta find him." Because like, there's a scene in the middle. You're gonna message me about it and ask me why. <laughs> so, it was along those lines. Yeah, because uh, yeah. it, it was, was like three days ago. Al and I message each other a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't have any messages from you. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll call you. You know what? You're gonna start now. now I said. There's, I I basically said. Uh, I said, have you watched Falcon? And he's like, no, was, have you? I was like, wrong when you currently me. watching it. There's a moment that you will message me just letting you know. <laughs> yeah, I was watching an Anthony Bourdain marathon while having well, drinks. Uh, no, that, uh, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love Julia Louise Drivers. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Um, and Veep, I mean, she's phenomenal in Veep too. And she won like a zillion awards in yeah. a row, I think is the all end. The, all the awards. Yep. Yeah. She had like some insane record. Um, I I mean, I'm so happy to have her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then like two to three days later, they announced that Olivia Coleman is going to be in Secret Invasion. I'm like, just keep bringing the best yeah, female yeah. actresses into the MCU. They <laughs> say what you will about the MCU and all we say is great things, but holy shit, they knew how to cast this thing. It's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah we all that... first met her as Doris and Hot Fuzz. Oh yeah, <laughs> that cast is stacking up to be crazy. That's like Kingsley Benadire got added, and it's in, on top of Ben Mendelsohn and Sam Jackson. Oh. It's like talk mm-hmm. about going from a thing that I had no interest in to a thing that I will absolutely be watching. hundred percent. The, the, the yeah. storyline <laughs> that got me to stop reading Marvel when I was like getting into comics, I started with Civil War. So I started back in like '06, I think was when Civil War came out. Yeah. Um. Uh, was it uh, Brian Michael Bendis's run? I think it's Bendis. Yeah. yeah, let's go with Bendis. Bendis starts his run in Marvel with New Avengers, which sets the groundwork 
for years for Secret Invasion. And I'm so amped for the series and was completely disappointed to the point where I'm like, fuck this. And I just went to DC and um, I like image and stuff. So I was so disappointed with Marvel. I did not like Secret Invasion. I was not into, I was not excited about how they were going to do it in the MCU, but now I see her involved. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. Well, because in the comics, and I know this is a tangent, but correct me if I'm wrong. In the comics, it's based like Secret Invasion is basically just like an excuse for them to retcon a bunch of stuff that people were unhappy yeah. with. Yeah, or it's like, oh, that person you were upset we killed, oh, they weren't actually dead. Here they that, are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that person who acted so out of character. Oh, it's because they were a scroll. It's like yeah, yeah, and exactly. It, and it, they just which is basically a bend on Secret Wars. Uh, the like there was just no game. consequences really to it. Just outside of like. Uh, uh, Norman Osborn becoming a superhero mm-hmm. for some reason. He became a hero at the end because he saved the day and it put him in a position of power, which starts the Dark Avengers. Um, other than that, like it was dumb. It was very dumb. All right, I don't like it. Sorry, sorry, bro. Uh, let's stop harshing like about- Mar- hey, Mello hey, and get to hey, hey. Marvel got better. Okay, it was just exactly. like a lull, and it got better. I remember I my think, yeah. My the buddy used to work, work on those mistakes and be like, this is what people wanted out of it mm-hmm. in this series. It, and this it, is what we're going to do. It, I'm pretty sure it halted it. events, not event, like events were huge. When I first started reading comics, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. civil war, secret invasion, um, uh, house of M mm-hmm. and then the DC stuff was all the crises, you know, infinite crisis and uh, identity crisis, final crisis. When I was oh, reading, it was all events, and all <laughs> midlife crisis and tie-ins and stuff. And I think people got so pissed that yeah. it's just, you know, just constant money grabs with oh, a yeah. big event series. So, which is yeah. not to tra- not to interrupt you, but I feel like that's a good transition back to the topic that we're supposed to be talking about. Wait, because what are we supposed to talk about? A lot, <laughs> a lot of people have. <laughs> A lot of people have felt like these kind of like Marvel TV shows are similarly kind of overextending the brand and like cynical cash grabs to get people to just pay more for more Marvel content, even if it's not justified. And uh, I think, you know, that's an interesting point to consider uh, since there I think, you know, we've had two shows and both of them have been creatively ambitious in ways that I think people were not expecting going in tackling like really serious subjects in a very kind of nuanced way. And, um, and I'm happy that we're kind of, that Marvel has been proving people wrong so far. That's, that was my whole take uh, on the outset of this show. I was just like, Oh, this is just going to be running gun, buddy cop bullshit. This will be fine. Like whatever. And it's not as evidenced by the, you know, if you're going to point to one episode, it'll be this one to be like, they proved you wrong. Um, me wrong. They, but Ryan, <laughs> they proved me myself wrong. Being the resident comedian of the podcast, um, what do you think of Julia Louis Dreyfus just showing up? I, you know what, you hear those heels walking, and you're like, "Who's this queen coming through?" And when it's her, you're like, "Thank God!" Just because you know that she's going to have so much fun with it. Whatever is kind of coming down the line, I'm just very excited. But my first note was, "How do you become a Contessa?" And a madam. I don't know. I don't know. I felt like she messed up the line 
And then, because that's how it felt like when she was saying it, she's like, oh, you know, nah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, like, and they're just like, fuck it. This is great. Cause she, I think eventually she just did it in one take and they're like, whatever. Let's go. I also couldn't decide. I was like, is this improv? Were they just like, here's like a rough <laughs> idea. Just like go sit down. I love that. She sort of just sat down next to his wife and she was like, shoo. And hands him the blank um, business card. Which I would love to do in my personal life. Just Such a flex. Call me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I love to, you know, this, uh, okay, tied with marrying this firecracker. And I was just like, oh. Yeah. Like, way to go. Way to schmooze. But I love that she's just sort of this, like, she knows everything. She's like, I know yeah. you don't have the shield. But she's also just like, you know, like, I would have also killed those bastards. I would have killed all of them. And it's like, what? But it's it's so I think that that's pretty telling of what we're in store for. And yeah, she she you know she's the opposite of Nick Fury, and I think that that is gonna gonna reap some pretty interesting results in the end. So I'm just I don't know if she'll return for in in the oh, next episode, but know. um I heard that she was supposed to appear in Black Widow originally first. Don't, yes, uh, yeah, no. she was. Yep, oh, she was supposed to oh, debut my. in Black Widow, and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, presumably she's going to still be in that uh, yeah. movie. But so I think I, I just I, I I love that. And again, that whole tapestry of of, you know, is it a cash grab or or are they they really have a plan? I kind of I want to believe, you know, that Kevin Feige really is just so in love with all of this where he just is delicately, you know, taking care of everything and making sure that everything is in its place. And I'm so happy that she's a part of it now. It's yeah. very it's very wild because. After we review the episode, we're going to talk about the the Shang Chi um, trailer that dropped. I was supposed to do that before, but I forgot. Uh, but it's you're taking a lot of these characters, you're like you know, if we're thinking about you know the first, for, I'll just say first generation uh, of Marvel, you know, movies. We're talking about all the greatest hits. You're talking Cap. You're talking Iron Man. Talking Thor, Hulk. You know, Avengers. You know, you're talking the heavy hitters. Now we're getting into immortals and we're going to go to Loki, and now we're going to like i just uh, just mentioned the other one and we're going to Ironheart and all these other characters and you're like so the argument alex that you're that, that you brought up is like okay we're getting all these very disparate like people have said sea level and i'm not saying it, i'm just you see what i've seen online and other articles like sea level marvel characters or very deep cut marvel characters and it's all a cash grab but now we're seeing how everything's sort of weaving together. So it's very interesting to see how this next generation, I'll just say for lack of a better term of Marvel movies is going to like come together and how it's all going to tie in with these characters. that aren't the household brand names that we've seen, you know, over the last 10 to 12 years. Yeah. Remind reminder, Iron Man was like a C list character. Just throwing that out there. I disagree with that. He no, straight he was. was. <laughs> I thought he was like B. I thought he was like, if you're talking like he, the he, top, like God God tier, literally at the Spider-Man. time, at the time they were trying to make him more of what he was, but he was a C-list character for the longest time. I mean, he I mean, and maybe I just maybe it was me. I personally, he was one of my favorites, so maybe mm-hmm. that's why I put him in the higher yeah. tier than most people. I mean, he was such a C-list character that when the original film came out, they basically immediately rewrote his character in the comics to both look and sound exactly like RDJ. Because <laughs> they were like, oh, you own this this character yeah. now. Everyone cares about what you're doing. No one cares about what we're doing. So we're just yeah. going to do what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also know he was a huge part of the Civil War uh, 
arc, the, that series that I figured. Again, it was like 06. They were trying to make him because they didn't own the rights to their big characters. They had, yeah. they did not own the rights to them. So in their comics, they were trying to make the characters that they had the rights to more relevant. Mm-hmm. So that's your cap and your Iron Man. That's why it's split between those two. Spider-Man yeah, is like those were not the books that were selling. Right yeah, those were not the books that were selling well back then. And even like when they made their big announcement, like their Marvel Studios announcement, like the trade said, like, oh, they're trying to do this with the B League. And like, are they going to be able to pull it off? Mm-hmm. And then they did. And then they also pulled it off with a lot of like random characters that no one's ever heard of, like, you that's know, right. a talking <laughs> raccoon and his friend, a tree, you know. So <laughs> yeah, we want to talk. They can we do wanna, that. We want to talk <laughs> A, B, C list. The Guardians of the Galaxy were not relevant to comic book fans. They were so obscure, su- such a niche uh, book, a title, whatever you want to call it. Like, that's like, you know, E list, F list, if you want to call it that. Like, keep going down the other way. I want to see how far you can get. Uh, G, H, maybe <laughs> an I? R list. He's like doing it. it. <laughs> but yeah, so. I have But it's funny. It's funny that the way that they're, they're thinking about the MCU right now is. It's like storytelling first. It's not like, ooh, we need to make a show about this brand new character we just introduced so we can sell comics. It's like they don't give a shit. Like they're they know that the comics are secondary. They barely care about the comics. It's 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 storytelling fodder for them. It's what makes sense in Feige's grand scheme of things. If you don't think he's 10 years mm-hmm. ahead of everyone else, you're like you're yeah. kidding yourself. Yeah. He knows every beat. If not every beat, he knows the finish line for the next five and then the, the finish line for the next five after that. Yeah, I saw a video of him insane. at a Comic-Con where someone like four years ago was like, when are we going to get a Falcon and, Win- and a Winter Soldier show? And he's like, wow, that, that sounds like a really great idea. And I bet that was just like already, he was like, yeah. It'd be cool if we can cool. learn more about Wanda and Vision someday. Yeah, yeah and exactly. I agree. He's like, hmm, it'd be weird if we had a Disney streaming platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, shit. How do you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to our next segment, which is called Mandatory Therapy, a.k.a. what this podcast really is for, well, at least me and Al. Um, where we talk about uh, thoughts and theories on the entire episode. So we're talking about Val. One of the um, one of the things I keep seeing a, a group brought around her name is um, the Warriors. No, the Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts. Oh, Thunderbolts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay, guy who doesn't know that's me. Um, one, who are they? And two, is this a possibility? of Thunderbolts becoming a part, uh, an integral part of the MCU moving forward. So, uh, Alex, you were nodding your head first, so (laughs) hit me up, brother. Yeah, so the Thunderbolts are this group of, it's kind of like Marvel's answer to the Suicide Squad, only less, like, less edgelordy. Like, they don't have bombs in their necks. They're not, like, so cool. They're just, like, a group of, like, supervillains that base, or, like, not supervillains, just villains, 
led by Zemo himself, um, oh. under the name of Citizen V, I believe, um, for most of the time. And he kind of like leads this team that the government kind of put together as this sort of like, we need, I believe it came out of Civil War when they didn't have a lot of the, like when a lot of the heroes were like on opposite sides, they were like, we need our own team. Like Cap's team has too many of the good heroes. We need other people. So they enlisted all of these villains to kind of come together and ostensibly like be a like an avengers like team but like for the government and like they like didn't follow rules and they like were obviously not to be trusted um and that's been a rumor for a long time that uh this whole one of the big threads of a lot of these um sort of like black widow and a lot of the tv shows over the next like year or two are going to be setting up the thunderbolts as this team that then is going to play into some sort of event and i was a little skeptical of this rumor because it just felt like okay so they put together a team of villains like i don't think that kevin feige is going to make a, sh- a movie about the villains like that doesn't feel very marvel and then it's like are we going to have like a team of heroes versus a team of villains that seems kind of hokey and lame but um with the introduction of uh, Contessa Veltina Allegra de la Fontaine um holy shit I did yes I did <laughs> no, he, I know he did um I would say that like now 100% that's clearly what they're doing and like to what ends it'll be interesting I've heard some interesting speculation yeah, that sounds spe- like it could actually be fun but um the speculation I heard was that uh possibly the Florence Pugh character would be someone who would be entertained mm-hmm. in the Thor- Thunderbolts that'd be dope yeah if she makes yeah, and there's Black Widow for all we know um, we also know that um, Tim Roth's character from original Hulk is going to be popping up in She-Hulk, and that would be a prime contender for a member of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, there's various Lokis that are going to be introduced next in that's, the next series. That's a very wild theory. It's like, a, if just thinking from the acting perspective, it's like, we're going to put a team together. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Florence Pugh, Tim Roth, <laughs> and Tom Hiddleston, and, and Wyatt Russell. There's your team. And you're just yep. like, that's never would have thought in a million years, but works for me. But there's yeah, something, I mean, <laughs> there's something poetic to um, the start of the MCU is Sam Jackson uh, doing the Avengers initiative. And basically the start of the, the, the supposed start of the Disney plus universe was the complete opposite. Like we're going to start the Thunderbolts initiative. That'd be yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. So cool. it'll be cool. And the speculation that I've heard is that they they also seem to be setting up in the background a sort of a Young Avengers potential. Yes. They keep introducing that. these characters mm-hmm. as like small bit players that have a history as Young Avengers. And one of the theories that I heard was that, and this is total speculation, not based on any reporting, but just the idea of like, well, maybe there's a big event that takes all of the remaining Avengers off the board. Like maybe they're in space, maybe they're in another dimension. And then we have the, the government sends in the Thunderbolts to fill that gap and they're like not good obviously so then the young avengers kind of rise up and it's and in the young avengers miniseries that we're thinking or film that we think might be in the works down the line it might be young avengers versus thunderbolts and that sounds really cool yeah because yeah. and i saw young avengers some names tossed around for that was uh hawkeye mm-hmm. uh, yeah kate bishop kate bishop, bishop. this marvel correct and I want to say, uh, Iron and it would be then would be Wiccan, uh, Wiccan yeah. and Speed, Wiccan and Speed. Uh, yeah, who we've Wanda, met already. WandaVision's kids. Um, 
Um, you could probably throw, uh, was it, is it Joaquin Torres? He becomes the new Falcon. That's he becomes, what, yeah, I think he's probably too old for that. Too team, old, though. too old. Yeah. But then but you could, um, you like, also, that <laughs> Torres, I was waiting for him to just get killed. I'm like, oh no, nice. He left, they left him the shield, the, the, they left uh, him the wings. The wings. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. He literally becomes Falcon in the yeah. comics. Um, and, no, someone I mean, else. He literally he, becomes a Falcon in the comics, right? Like, isn't it real weird? What happens to him? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then he's uh, like Sasquatch in Alpha Flight. Just want to throw it out. America, America. Oh, yeah. We have an Alpha Flight show. There's Canadians in this world. They want to see that's it. True. Well, that's technically mm. X Men ish realm. Ooh. But now I was going to say American Chavez. I think is being introduced in, in Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then also, you know, uh, like. Um, Isaiah Bradley's grandson yes. is a, a major figure, patriot? and we've met. Is him. he patriot or no? I think he's yeah. I think he is patriot. I think that's his name. Yeah. yeah, which is so also in Young Avengers. Yeah, so we've so we've met him as well. So there's a lot of like Young Avengers people like on the periphery. So I think that we could definitely see. Also, um, uh, stature, aka Cassie Lang. Oh yeah, Cassie Ooh, Lang. Yes. Yeah. they kind of set that up too. Yeah. Yeah, they they. they that's that's Scott Lang's. Fucking watch Ant Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta watch it. But anyway, yeah, um, so that's so yeah, so, I think I think we're definitely shaping up for something like a Thunderbolts versus Young Avengers crossover event. And that'd be super awesome. Yeah. Because like oh. just more excuses to see um John Walker get punched in the face. More reasons to awesome. live. <laughs> John Walker. Punch that son of a bitch right in the face. Like, I want a teenage girl to just beat the crap out of him oh, so yeah. badly. Like, that yep. would be excellent. I'd be very excited about that. She wasn't even a super soldier. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not that strong, dick. Oh, how he is. And he's really angry. Yeah. Um, and he also learned metallurgy. Um, That's you. like, we'll probably get to it, but that was so pathetic when he, like, puts the his medals like, on go to the it. shield. John Walker, metal yeah, blacksmith. What do we think? I I wanted to bring this up because we talked about a little earlier about how like you would have got it just from him killing the guy at the end or the fight scene in the beginning. I don't think so because I, I really love the almost deep dive into his psyche, you know, and you get in the, the Senate hearing Congress here, whatever about his um, just discharge, you know, he knows he's right. He knows it's literally the tweet that I was talking about with uh, Mark Bernard and said, like, um, you know, uh, Steve Rogers is the uh, Captain America we want. And John Walker, I'm butchering this, but John Walker is the America that we are. And like, he's he's like, yeah, I, I am Captain America. This is you made me. And from that to see, you know, his invitation to to the Thunderbolts or whatever we want to call it, you know. Like your your work is appreciated, just not here. Like it's appreciated somewhere else. And then we get to see how he's handling um, the fallout of, of Lamar's death. He is lying to his family because he knows that now that is his mission in life is to avenge his death. So I don't think he's over Lamar's death. No, he wouldn't I have went like there. Got that though. I feel like like no. I just feel like, like that. Like you said, he was over Lamar's death, and I just straight up said he's not because he brought. He went. Yeah, to I don't think he's over his death at all. He's no, no. no I mean, I agree. Thing. He's not over it, but we saw him literally not be over it when he was like 
hammering with a bloody shield. When he said, let's go to work, it's like, obviously, he's repressing everything. Yeah. Because it's super soldier time takes over. But like, like our family was just like, it was just like, we're just restating things that have already been said. And I don't feel like it added a ton to the emotion for me. Yeah, there's this, there's this saying that I'm sure you guys have said before on this podcast, like show, don't tell. Like it. And I feel like this show has a habit of just showing and telling. So we have this great characterization in the fight sequence at the opening that really does communicate everything that we are about to hear from Walker over the next hour, like between Wyatt Russell's performance and the dialogue and just the choreography of that fight sequence. Like we get everything we need to know but in case i think for like younger viewers or for people who we see online are like primed to take the opposite uh in, like for a lesson from a narrative unless it's spelled out in black and white i think marvel feels this need to like if we're going to create a sympathetic uh antagonist we need to drill home the facts that he is actually amoral at this point like we can't root for him anymore like we can understand him but we can't root for him and i feel like there was this this feeling in the episode of like we really need to hammer some of this stuff home we can't just let the performance and let the sequence at the beginning like do the work but it was there and i think it's like almost a disservice to wyatt russell that they gave him so many more scenes because it it takes away from how great his characterization was of everything that his character was feeling and going through and the self-rationalization and the justification and like the unhinged emotion and everything that was in that opening sequence for him yeah i i I think i totally agree with that alex Uh, i right i do i know i just i I just want to get this across because Alex is making great points about like the show don't tell because I've said that a lot I feel like on this pod and with I just I think maybe I'm just selfish and I just want to see more Wyatt Russell like I think he just crushes it in every scene and we're just kind of seeing his descent into madness and even going with the after credit which may have felt like unnecessary like we know he's gonna do this whatever but like at the same time like I think there's a deeper dive into like why is he putting the medals into the shield because he's not proud of those medals like, I think there's a part of him that he's not really, he, you hear it when he's talking about the, the, the why he was celebrated was the worst day of his life, right? So I just feel like there's so many layers to that too, even just from that, just seeing him construct that shield of like almost descending into madness and the reasoning behind it, the, reason, the symbolism that he's trying to convey. You know, he's not happy with the government, yet he's displaying the medals on the shield. He's not displaying it because he's proud. He's displaying it like this is what I did for this country mm-hmm. in the in the name of this country. I don't know. I just I thought just getting more of that character, <laughs> it's going to make it for hopefully we get to see more of him. This is going to be this is his origin story told through six episodes. So I'd like to see as much as I can and not just Sam and Bucky figuring shit out. Yeah. Right. You don't I want think, a lot more episode, a lot more scenes of Sam and Bucky putting the boat back together. No, I do actually want a lot more. Oh I, can watch a, I can watch a, a, a season of that, and then they should make a reality series it's set in the Marvel universe. Boats. We fix your boat. That was a beat that was like happening too many times. I was like, oh my god! But no. 
give it more to me. It's just like we get it's not that big of a boat, guys. It's exactly. Like, we're <laughs> not boat, rebuilding the Titanic. It's, the at one point they're like fixing issues. something that isn't even broken. It's like we okay, like how much how long are we gonna spend on this boat? I we get it. They're mending their relationship. It's a metaphor. Thank you. I wish Sarah came up and she was like, guys, my boat's over there. And we're like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> we were fixing they literally the make boat. a joke about it. She's like, this wasn't like oh what it was like some pump or something. She's like, that's yeah. not broken. Stop yeah, fixing exactly. it. Just, exactly. It's just like but I do I love story. that I love that that last episode ended with John Walker kind of, you know, disrespecting Cap Shield. It's covered in blood. And when Sam is wiping off, that's really sad. But I also kind of love that this ended with like that same sound of Iron Man like building his. Thing, and that's like that's also disrespectful you're a real piece of shit so i'm just <laughs> wondering like what else is gonna braid his hair like black widow again like he's gonna do the thigh move like he's gonna jump on some dude's back and like he's like, lift me lift me thigh. lift me well, again imagine <laughs> a, a hammer world. but just a hammer <laughs> imagine a world where this is the first disney plus series that we're introduced to like yeah. how much more impactful this would be you get True. the similarities between the first movie and the first series yeah with um iron man like that the shield and to to hit this point hard madam hydra being introduced in the quote-unquote first series on disney plus mm-hmm. the same time the first uh movie we get sam jackson like i love that like yeah. there's a lot of callbacks to the the start of the marvel cinematic universe which is basically blossoming on the disney plus platform Right. I just don't know what else he made that shield out of. I'm like, you're, you don't have vibranium, dude. Like, you're just. He it. He's fucking. He's a super soldier. I mean, then why did Steve Rogers need it? I don't know. So, bullets. Yeah, it's just like it, it's just like when you were talking about the medals, that, that was an interesting point. Um, I don't know if it was. I, I thought it was a big fuck you to America from him. He's just like, you know what? I am a hero. You gave me these. Fuck you. I'm going to disrespect your highest mm-hmm. honor because you disrespected me, your ultimate weapon. That's how I kind of took it. But I don't know. I could it, it felt to me that he was just like a very petty, weak man who was like, see, oh. see, I am a hero. Look, I just I earned this and now I'm going to rub it in your face. Like, it's well, like, that, relax. Like, it's so pathetic. what I said in a much smarter way. I mean. <laughs> it's it's like fragile masculinity just like embodied as a character 100 percent. yeah uh look at my big (laughs) shield with the gems on it i know how to work metal i'm america's sparkliest boy (laughs) (laughs) he's america's sparkliest boy oh he is america's sparkliest boy oh good god um (laughs) I don't know. There's no good transition here, guys. Um, but um, America's sparkliest boys. <laughs> That's the transition. Sparkly things that we're wondering about. I don't know. The power broker. This is ah. the big thing. Who is the power broker? So Sharon Carter. Stop it. <laughs> Didn't get to the fucking point. Sorry. Turns yet. Um, is we were thinking last episode. Uh, we did Sharon Carter, and then all of a sudden we see her. Uh, bringing power in, brokering. Oh, bringing you know, sending <laughs> former UFC star George St. Pierre over to the Flag Smashers. Uh, we we're introduced to Val, and you're like, Is she the power broker? So you have these two characters that easily could be. Um, so Ryan, I'm gonna start with you. 
Who's the power broker, man? I I cannot help. I, I just My I Doctor Doom theory. Believe, is I cannot believe that Sharon Carter is going to be the power broker. I just can't. I, I I understand that it's there, and if it happens, I'm going to be like, I'm America's silliest boy. But like, <laughs> oh, I just I I can't believe it. I I I. It's a red herring. I just I can't. Yeah, he's the president. I completely agree. It's a red herring. <laughs> if if she was, if that was the scene where they revealed that she was the power broker, they would not have staged it in that way. It would not have been filmed that way. It would not have been treated that way. It that was a misdirection. That was a, oh, she's up to something. Is this because they've been leading us down that path for a little while, and it just feels like if that was where they were going, they would not have revealed it in that way. Like a hundred percent. I just, I, yeah. I think I she she clearly she like works for the power broker. I, I think obviously Zindy. for me, the power broker, it's going to be Julie Louis-Dreyfus, right? Like, obviously it seems kind of like who else would it be? Um, and I think it's like, she's the question about Sharon is, is she working for the power broker because she is truly over like America and being a hero. And she's going to be like uh, on the Thunderbolts. Like maybe she's like the founding member of the Thunderbolts or is she working right. as like an op for the CIA and she's trying and she's going to like turn in the next episode. And I think sending um, Betrock the leaper, uh, it really doesn't let us know very much because that dude is incompetent. That's all we know about that man <laughs> yeah. is that he can jump really high he and he can jump, vaguely curse in French and, uh, and he, and he fails at everything he tries to do. So and sending cauliflower ear. <laughs> yes. So sending him over there doesn't, mean that she is like actually trying to help she could be trying to sab- sabotage them that's a good point. i totally believe it's possible that like nick fury was probably like sharon by the way <laughs> you know julia louis dreyfus over here is up to no good you go in deep undercover i'll be in touch with you in five years yeah like you know what i mean i, I gotta uh, go fight some secret wars i'll be back yeah. i gotta go like real fast i'll just be like right back uh, <laughs> I, I also don't think it's Sharon Carter because I actually thought they were going to reveal it because they're, they were doing these weird long shots during that in the gallery of the paintings. And yeah. I'm like, someone's going to walk behind it. And I thought it was going to be Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like walking through the scene or something like that. I'm like, I oh. think they were just trying to remind us that she is very powerful now because she has access to yeah, very I expensive mean, art, which is very funny. Which is oh, what yeah. I got after the scene. <laughs> I could like, pay oh, you double or whatever. She got money. Uh-huh. But... I wouldn't mind it if she was going for, you know, revenge. Whatever. I have to do it sometimes. I might be drunk. That's the best part. Is um, But I would like the fact that she's, you know, she's, uh, I, I, I lost the character I was going to um, say it to, but she's that character that everyone kind of goes to. And sometimes she's good. Sometimes she's bad. And, you know, the, to the highest bidder, you know. If if the flag smashers are throwing her a lot of money, okay, I'll send you uh, the flying Frenchman over here. You know, I know he's he's good for weapons and just wanting to destroy things. Okay, cool, you got him. Uh, Sam, you need something done? Okay, sure. You're gonna help me get back to the United States, or I, you know, I have an affinity towards you guys. Yeah, I'll help you out. But I think she goes to the highest bidder. And but I, I there don't know. is also there so. is also the chance that she's a scroll. So. Yeah, that is true. Maybe she'll talk to, uh, talk to last... someone in a movie theater and pull off her face. <laughs> I mean, the last two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that we've seen in-universe turned out to be scrolls. So Good. 
So, Al, you definitely think it's Sharon Carter. Yeah, 100%. Sorry, guys. Um, multiple reasons why. We learned from WandaVision. It's it's not the craziest thing you can think of. It's usually, it's uh, was it Occ- Occam's Razor? Usually the, the first so now thing. We're, now we're quoting Contact. We're, no, we're, 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 quoting, we're quoting Scrubs, okay? Specifically. Oh, Sorry. Are you drinking an Apple Teeny right now? <laughs> First of all, I almost started a podcast called Sneak Hugs and Apple Teenies, a Scrubs oh. review series. Yes, I almost did. With Logan Fowler. To be on with that. Logan Fowler, who will never be on this podcast. Never if you do, I haven't said that in a while. If you do that, you should really start, you should review it in reverse. So you start with Scrubs Med School and then work backwards. Okay. And I can That'll defend, really test. I can defend Scrubs Med School when okay, you consider. Well, I mean, Dave Franco is very attractive on that show, and that's that's something. That is a top three reason why that show is okay. <laughs> that's Alex's only defense. Well, Dave Franco's a good-looking guy. And he's great in that. He's, he wears scrubs, and sometimes he doesn't have a shirt on. He's very good-looking good in, in, that, in that season, for sure. Um, <laughs> adding to Netflix. Adding, okay, my let me, is growing. Let me add the worst season of scrubs okay, ever. You could just, Ryan, you could just look it up on Tumblr, I'm sure. You'll be all right guys gotta go sorry uh, yeah it's 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 clearly sharon carter she is despite all the evidence we've given you okay yes she has the motive she has the like literally they showed you the proof in this episode um that's it the the two things like Ah, legitimately i'm gonna need six i can't give you any more sorry i'll give you one more if they got 10 rings for this, I'll movie, give you one more. Something we said on the last podcast was it's not going to, it's going to be someone that's already been introduced to us thus far. Yeah. Like Julia Lee Dreyfus. Yeah. Makes no sense. Or like Madam, she's Madam Hydra. Madam Hydra, well. The Madam Hydra, the power broker. Why, so you know, why wouldn't she okay. actually in the comics? Doesn't Madam Hydra at one point run Madriport as a criminal? I, I am know. going to say that there are higher odds of the collector being on Earth and is the power broker, then Julie Louis Dreyfus Wait, has. The so power we're getting. Broker. Do you want to put money on that? <laughs> no, no. You're the worst yes. gambler in the world. Do it. <laughs> yeah. You're horrible at this. Please bet. We put five pop break dollars. Okay. <laughs> good, oh, good boy. for good for five dollars worth on the pop break store, which is thepopbreak.com slash nope it's nothing it's just no, oh like do you guys have a hoodie <laughs> i have had for years or coasters i have oh, oh, i forgot about the coasters yeah wow. well we we were supposed to do it at this big show we had and it got snowed out so. yeah. oops oh those are nice yeah. yeah does anyone know the runtime of the last episode um it was like it was like it was in the-, the 50s i think it's return of the king level I thought, oh, not this podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, the last episode was uh, it was like just about 50 minutes, I think. Now, in all seriousness, I think we want a better answer. It was an we hour and one minute. I'm sorry. It was an hour and one minute. But that's yeah. including like the endless credits that yeah. Disney Plus shows have. Yes. Sorry. Like, I, I just want to bring it back to Bill's original why, question. Why you were right and we we're all wrong. Got it. Well, okay. it's not. Look, no. That's a different podcast. <laughs> can I ask no. you? Can I can I interrupt you and ask you this? Yeah. Um, 
so I don't want to like throw cold water on this discussion because obviously like I have an opinion on what we think what it might be. But like, do you actually care who the power broker is? Because that no. feels so God, tangential no. to what's interesting and important. No, no. About I mean, show. I do because you've asked me the question. No, I do because like it's just like just answer the question. Like I'm the type of person who's like, we're going to introduce this thing. We're going to keep talking about it. Like the astrophysicist from Wandavision. It's just like yeah. I don't care who it is. Just give me a just give me an answer because you br- keep bringing it up. Just pay it off. And yeah. it, Although and the for that for me, time, I it have... was really just the two lines of dialogue where they were like, oh, I have a friend. And then one other time in another episode, she was like, oh, I talked to my friend. And everybody was like, yeah, and then they can't turned... possibly say that and not tell us who it is. <laughs> like, I yeah, like, well, they they also were like, we're going to go drive to my friend and see my friend. They, they had multiple scenes. You say it's two lines. You've mentioned this a few times. They go to drive to meet the guy. It's just like, OK, I just say this is who it is. They never did. She was like, oh, my friend Scott. Like, that wouldn't mean anything to you. It wouldn't matter. My friend Tanya from college. (laughs) Exactly. I I love my friend Tanya. The episode. (laughs) I just want to know because you've mentioned a few times. He's this, it's this mysterious big bad that, you know, introduced already. The episode was literally called Power Broker, where we get to be introduced, reintroduced to Sharon Carter, Madripoor art dealer. Come on, guys. It's uh, fucking I'm gonna obvious. So mad. I'm going to be so mad if you're I'm right. Not, Why? It doesn't <laughs> matter. That's all I care about. Answer the fucking question. That's but it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. In it truly my brain, does it. my brain, it's just like, just answer the question. That's all I want to know. The astrophysicists mattered to us because Every single thing meant something to us in WandaVision. In the, in, when we were in the crux of it, when we were just asking questions, we were looking for anything to matter. Everything was, you thought Sparky was the beekeeper. Still South Theory. Still it's a theory. terrible theory, but I'm saying there's that. Still, like, he is right that there's no proof that it's not the beekeeper. I know this, but we fought about it enough to the extent that, that <laughs> the we were searching for answers. This thing. show is not a mystery show. No, it's, it's not. not. But I it's have a show a about about rising to to meet the man. It's a show of an about nothing. I, interrogating I, that. It's not a show about nothing. No, I wanted I to take it back to Julia Dolly Dreyfus. I know. I get the reference. I just have a dumb brain when you're just like hey we introduced a mysterious character to tell me who it is that's just my brain i just want to know it's not going to make her you break would really image. you would be very frustrated by ant-man and the wasp then but i think with Juliet, like oh, madam hydra being introduced the power broker definitely took a back seat sure like, no, my interest right. is totally gone about the power broker yeah. it's yeah. no longer like that focus so you're like all right whatever yeah so it's Sharon Carter. They literally showed it. Okay. So this is the theory section of the podcast, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have a question for you guys because I saw this covered places and I was like, wait, that's a question. Like I thought it was very obvious what was happening, but there's, but some people have been asking like, what do you think is in the case? Like, what do you think Bucky gave him from Wakanda? And it's oh, like, I was, I don't know. Was, like that was my question because I saw it online. I was like, guys, what did you think it was in the case? Like, but like, how could it be anything but a new like Captain suit. America suit for him? Like, well, what else could it possibly be? Exactly, because uh, at first That's I'm it. just like, I was just like, yeah, he's not giving him another Falcon costume. It's I mean, it might have wings. For what happened in Infinity War? They were like, you almost had a lot. I hope. I hope, it's, I hope it's based off the all new Captain America. Like when 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 Sam officially takes over mm. for for Cap in comics. He has a suit that is both him holding the shield, but it also has the wings. So he like yeah. he doesn't completely abandon the Falcon like although the Archangel you know, aspect. 
Well, I always thought that was kind of dumb, though. So I hope that... <laughs> no offense. Alex. I, <laughs> I hope it. that he just, like, has, like, a jetpack. Because it's, like, Wakanda. They have jetpacks. So, like, yeah, why does he need literally wings? Like, you know? It's because he does... He's fucking awesome with the wings. You literally just said, I think, earlier, I like, it. how great the sequences are with the fighting. <laughs> I really of, do. I the love that they gave him so much to work with. I love yeah. it. I'm really... I mean, the, his stuntman can, can jump sideways so interestingly. I'm, mm-hmm. like, very... I don't know how that's possible i'm pissed and i don't i don't think we talked about this enough on this podcast but in both i think it's i guess it would be civil war civil war and this literally the first episode of the series where the fuck is red wing we don't get enough red wing they just they broke red wing i know i'm pissed yeah we get a glimpse we get a glimpse of red wing basically the in the in the beginning of civil war and then they Break fucking Red Wing in the beginning. Like, why'd you even tease Red Wing again? Let, like, just okay, give me no, some more. Have another one. I, maybe by the end he'll get another one. But yeah, I, I've always thought like it's weird that he has a drone. Like, let's not let. Like, I don't love like. I'm sorry. Do you want him to have warfare? a bird like in the comics? Yeah. Are you fucking what are you, kidding what are you more comfortable with? <laughs> you want him to I have a falcon? Weird. You want him to if literally have, have a falcon? <laughs> I think it's like a cool idea in the abstract the fact that like so many innocent people die due to drone warfare every year and he's like a military figure it just like i don't like to like bring that up every time and it's like a cute adorable thing that's like has a pet name it's like i think that's kind of in poor taste in 2021 not to be yeah. like too like pc about it so i'm i'm okay if we PC, retire no. i'm okay oh, if we retire the drone we're not retiring red wing wow um, also drones were the villain in spider-man far from home so like i feel like even the Marvel has decided drones. I'm pretty that. sure Mysterio is the villain. Mm, I think Mysterio. it was the drones. <laughs> Only like Mysterio didn't almost crash that bus. It was also, the drones. I also love. I also love that that fucking uh, Tony just gifted. That just gifted him sunglasses that control yeah. drones. It, it does seem like a Tony move, though. I have it's to. True. Alex, I have want to ask you. Show me on the doll where the drone touched you. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God damn it. Um, another question I had was, uh, just when we were talking about theories with Zemo, we mentioned Thunderbolts already, but Zemo kind of goes super easily to Wakanda, in my He opinion. doesn't go to Wakanda, he goes to the raft very pointedly, so that way Julia Louis-Dreyfus can show up in the closing, in the end credits uh, to next week and liberate him from the raft to join Thunderbolts. Alex, how does Kill, this make you feel? he's feeling it. <laughs> Oh my god! First off, I thought you were p- pulling up a, like like something from Alien. You're like, what do you think of this? <laughs> yeah. For, for the for the listeners at home, Al is taunting me with his drone. I, that's the bougiest thing you have in that range. First of all, it is like the cheapest drone you could get on Amazon. I wanted to just learn how to use it. It's so hard. So the parks that I go to have a strict no drone policy, and that's yeah. all I'm going to say on the matter. I have never brought it to a park. I literally tried it in my backyard one time <laughs> in the wind. Your backyard no. is a park. Um, no, old backyard. No, last house. Um, so that's that's how we think uh, Zemo is going to get busted out uh, yeah, and credit. For sure. For We're that. not done with him. The only thing we know about the raft is that that's the place where all the Avengers were uh, were held and then Easily broken escaped. out of. Yeah, exactly. That's where they escaped from. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, you know, Alex already touched on it quite well was I, the Thunderbolts have been long rumored to be introduced within Disney plus. It just makes sense. Like, uh, you know, we haven't seen that before in the MCU, which is kind of strange. Like uh, 
you know, the villain team up, the, the villain. Because uh, they equip- kill all their villains at the end of their movies. <laughs> you know what? You're kind of right. And again, I wish they never killed Hella. <laughs> Hella would have been great to see again, honestly. I mean, technically, we don't know if she's dead for sure. She's on Asgard when it like blows up, but like <laughs> she is the she's the goddess of death. She could return. You're yeah. right, you're right. Sorry. He's like Tanya, come pick me up. Tanya's <laughs> <laughs> getting a lot of traction on this episode. Um no, I, I, I think that makes total sense that, you know, Baron Zemo, the master, like literally, he's the smartest villain in the MCU, right? Like he's like a, a mastermind. I think he would be a great leader of, or at least co-leader. I don't know how he would work well with John Walker, but it would be interesting to see him lead this, you know, team. It would be fantastic. Yeah. Before yeah, we get into our, uh, our final thoughts on the episode, uh, I'd like to say any other thoughts and theories that you guys have heading into the finale or things you want to see happen in the finale. Um, Ryan, I have, oh, Alex, well, start with you. I, so I have just one more question about Sam's suit, uh, which is so like, we'll have a tie. How, how does everyone feel about the fact that uh, Walker just like ripped those wings off when we saw in Endgame that he used those wings to kill Hulk sized aliens. True. Um, and then it just like, I don't know. I feel like he kind of goes out on a chump. I think like there's been a consistent thing where he is not like, I think that the show has been trying to be like, he's just a man among yeah. these, these. Mm-hmm. So he kind of like gets his like butt kicked in almost every action sequence. And I, I don't really like that. I think we should, he could have, I think at the very least those wings could have held up. And then him putting them down could have been like a symbol, like him like giving the wings away could have been like, he's over it. He's had too much like Walker breaking them feels a bit kind of. No, I I think you have to bring him to his lowest point. Like, I think that's it. Like in terms of everything that happens in this episode, it's all about like bringing sand to his lowest point to rebuild him. And also to, you know, from the start of the season, we see that he, he doesn't want to be Captain America. He doesn't want to live up to what he thinks is like the greatest human that's ever lived. And like, this is all bringing him to like, if not me, then who? Yeah. Right. So I think you needed to bring, rip the, rip the wings off the, like another, like also, you know, very literal metaphor of like, you can't, you, there's, you have to be someone else. You can't be Falcon Mm -hmm. in this world anymore. You need to step up. Um, I agree that, you know, him dropping the, you know, I don't know how that would have worked, but him dropping the wings, um, would have also worked, but I think you need to bring him, away. you needed to, you needed John Walker to beat him. You needed his, Isaiah, you know, beat him physically. You needed Isaiah to beat him like mentally and to his heart and to like, what does it mean to be Captain America? And then you get the training montage with Bucky. I think it was just like a perfect arc from lowest to highest point in this episode. You know, because we, we get a lot of it throughout the whole season, but this really just like, you know. Yeah, I totally takes, agree. You know, I agree. The In Winter Soldier, uh, Bucky does like throw like a like a string onto Bucky's wings and pulls. Yeah, just, one of just them takes off. him and out of commission. I think he does pull off the other one. And Falcon's yeah. like, I'm grounded or something like that. Yeah, he said yeah. he literally uh, said I'm But grounded. those were the old wings. Those weren't like the Stark wings that he got. True. They are so. Um, like <laughs> really invested in the wings, you guys is what I'm saying. I I just like <laughs> invested uh, in the wings, but don't want them in the new suit. 
suspect, Alex. Yeah, because I want I want the very cute new Falcon to have his own wings and have it be special for him. I just I haven't talked enough about how cute he is. By the way, that's it. <laughs> he is just like just like, a captain, like captain wings just like captain wings from when you're flying a plane <laughs> uh i i did think that when they ripped the wings when walker ripped the wings off i was waiting for the word like a subtitle just says metaphor like pop <laughs> underneath i'm like guys i listen might not be the smartest thing. i got that i got that also it's funny that he strips him of his wings and he strips him of his shield yeah mm. Oh yeah, I mean, again, the symbols are dead. The old symbols are dead. We need new symbols. Yeah, oh, gods symbols. are dead. Here come the new gods. Um, um I also think we just American like God season five. Technically. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry. What season? <laughs> it's like in season four or five. I think it got canceled. So don't want. Don't Good. keep watching it. Um, the one. The one last thing that I wanted to say because we didn't. Ta- we talked about it a little bit, but I don't think we gave it enough time. Is how fantastic Carl Lumbly was in this. Oh episode. no no no! I was going He's to. Yeah, I was going to like, bring it like, up. He could like, get a legit Emmy nom for yeah. best supporting actor for this. Yeah. He well, it would be a guest actor nomination. Yeah. Not oh to be shit! Do they still do that? Yes, they so. absolutely do. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what I was thinking. TV, Alex oh. Alex <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Emmy, Absolutely. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Oscars. So it's Emmy. They do best yeah. guest spot. Guest, yeah, best guest Great. actor, best guest actress. Can that be for a whole drama. season that you guessed? It's a percentage of the total of the show. So, like, okay. if you are, if it's a 22 episode season, you could be in like six episodes, and it would still be a guest spot. But if okay. it's a if it's a six episode season, he has two scenes that would count as a guest. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of... Absolutely incredible! Like, like his performance is just like he hammers home so much. I was trying to, I was going to bring that into the the last segment, but I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, is that he is so incredibly he embodies so much in everything he's saying about, like we said, like the emotion, just like breaking down those things that those defenses that Sam had, those final, like just being that, I guess being naive in some respects about how the government would treat a black man or how America would treat a black man. It was just like, it was just the way he said it with the emotion and this, the, the anger and the sorrow mixing together so beautifully where he's almost in tears the whole point, but he's almost it'd be out of the sadness for losing his wife and losing his 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 friends and losing thirty years of his life and having to basically be erased. You know, he was erased and then had to be erased again. He was erased by the government. Then he had to be erased again in order just to live. And then the anger at the same that paralleled at the same time, I think, is that's one of the great performances you're going to see in Marvel because it's just like he does such a, a terrific job and. He's such a vital, he's like you said, he's in what, two scenes in this series? And he just changes the course of this series twice. And he, and then he addresses the bigger issue of race in the MCU and in, and breaking through into the real world. So people will be like, oh God, that's right. Like we, we, you know, know, slapping people in the face saying, yes, this is still a thing. This didn't go away because of something, you know, this didn't go away guys. You know, and um, so it's an incredibly powerful scene that it, it's hard not to feel moved by that performance. And yeah, if it, I, I would be if I'm Disney, I'm pushing him for a guess because they did. Al brought this up to me before that how Disney will be submitting both WandaVision and this to the Emmys 
Wanda as a limited series. This is a regular series. So obviously kind of implying, you know, kind of confirming there could be a season two. Obviously I think there is going to be a season two. Um, but yeah, and I think he would get that. I think he would be a prime contender to, at, at this point to win that uh, Emmy. Yeah. So Alex, you brought it up. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I think that it's, it can be very tempting on a show that has this kind of budget and this type of like direction and production value to be like, okay, we're going to tell a story about something that happened 50 years ago. Let's get a flashback. Let's show it to the audience. And the fact that they trusted him to just deliver that monologue and have it land as viscerally as it does, where you see nothing but his face and the reaction on Anthony Mackie's face. And it does so much more than actually seeing it ever could, because you really get all of the layers like you were talking about. It's just really, really fantastic acting. And he's, he's an actor that I like um, that I've, uh, that I've watched in a number of things he had an extended um like guest role on supergirl for a couple of seasons where he's very good he Hmm. played the martian manhunter in like the justice league uh animated universe so and he's just been around forever and he's just so incredible here i think it's just really you like you said like he has to make such an impact with such small screen time and he just delivers so effectively. And that's what you said was really important. I think of one of the big criticisms that we had of the WandaVision penultimate episode and a couple other, one of the other episodes you reviewed, I want to say it was episode four Mm -hmm. uh, of WandaVision where it was just this, let's show everything that happened. We're just going to show, show, show. Okay. Everything you, any little thing you might not have been confused, we're going to, well, no, I'm sorry. We're going to tell you, sorry, I apologize. We're going to tell you everything that happened. We're going to spell it out so so specifically in scenes. You're yeah. going to visually recognize everything. Whereas Carl Lumbly, you could literally, I saw that whole mm-hmm. montage in my head from what he was saying. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's just, I am kind of infamously a huge critic of flashbacks. I just don't like them. I think, there are rare exceptions where they're used usefully, but I think for the most part, it's just so much better to trust your performers that they can convey it to the audience. And I think he is just a great example of that. And I also, while we're on the subject, want to point out that it was not lost on me that the thing that he was arrested for and that ruined his life is the exact same thing that Steve Rogers did that turned him into a superhero that yeah. like literally yeah. like to the T. So it's really a can like a really damning indictment of the, the double standard that, uh, you know, black people and white people are treated in this country, especially in these sorts of contexts. Um, obviously, this is a heightened version of yes. of where we're at, but it definitely it just it really helps that land even more because you because so, we saw Steve do this and we saw how it was uh, glorified and how it was became a myth in this like positive way. The myth that we are like everyone on this series is still grappling with and that very same act condemned this man to just brutal torture and just uh just ending his life in a really awful way and i think that um that indignity is just so well portrayed by carl lumbly and physically too it's just like he is a huge dude too like it's like you see him he's not like an old guy like and then i think like he still looks like he's like, he's a very physically imposing guy. So when he's telling that story, that his physicality in that scene really drives it home even more, especially when he gets furious. Um, Ryan, yes. your thoughts on Carl Lumbly's uh, performance 
in this uh, in this episode and everything that that scene stood for. Watching it that second time today, it was like halfway through his monologue and I'm like starting to cry a little bit. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I think Alex is right. Just someone who could have two scenes and absolutely crush it and really just kind of represent everything. And, And that was honestly, again, like I said, like this wasn't my absolute favorite episode, but that was my favorite scene by far. And I just, you can't help but like feel for it. And yeah, you were right. Everything that Steve Rogers was like celebrated for, this guy gets, you know, in prison for 30 years and you're just like, God damn. But it's, I I love that he is this sort of catalyst also for this, where it was just like, you know, no self-respecting black man would ever pick up that shield. And I was like, this is it. This is it for Sam. You know, this is his, this is an elder who's like, who's speaking on behalf of, of all black people. And it was just like this, you know, he's, he's going to put it down. But I also love that one scene where his nephew is like etching the star on the shield. And I was like, all right, that's what he's going to fucking gear up for. That's what he's fighting for. Um, But yeah, Carl Lumbly, like I said, five stars, man. I loved it. I love him so much. (laughs) It's awesome. Al? It was so reminiscent of another Emmy, uh, uh, Emmy nominated. I'm going to say Emmy snubbed performance because he didn't actually end up winning for it. But the first season of uh, Better Call Saul, Jonathan Banks had this phenomenal scene. Yeah, it's one of the best scenes you'll ever see on television. It was very reminiscent of that of basically, you know, him telling this story. And there are no flashbacks used or no scenes used mm-hmm. in that sense. I don't believe so, Alex. I'm no, trying to remember it. Yeah, no so flashbacks. It was one of the most powerful scenes I've ever seen on television or in any media. And that was what he channeled here. And he crushed it. Like, just absolutely knocked it out of the park. And with two scenes, he could steal this entire series. Um you know, we only get that brief introduction of him, what, in episode, like, two or three? Two, um, two I think. Two. two. Yeah. So this is when we really get his story. And that's why the episode, again, is called Truth. It's it's pulled right from the Isaiah Bradley storyline um, from the comics, the title of the actual series. This is his episode. I don't care what you say. I mean, Sam, it really is, obviously, as I said before, Sam's journey but he steals it in that scene just completely. He Zemos it. I think that's a good verb for this series. He really just comes in and just takes it all away from everyone else. He, amazing. So we're going to wrap up our review of the episode where we review everything on a scale of one. To, we've cleaned off the shield. It's uh, no blood on it this week. So okay. one to 10 shields uh, with one being just absolute trash, 10 being an absolute gas. Uh, just throwing a little back to WandaVision for everyone. And uh, yeah, and then just keep your overall, just synopsis, your overall thoughts and feelings on the episode. Alex, you're our guest. You go first. Sure. Um, I give it like seven and a half. 
I think you have to weigh the good with the bad. I don't think that there's a ton of bad, bad. It's just like we said, like some of the scenes go on too long. Some of the scenes kind of don't flow well into each other, but there's a lot there. Like we kind we've talked about so much of this episode. Um, so it is a testament to how much they're really trying to do. And it's not always as artful as they could. Um, but I think that overall the stuff that lands lands really hard and is so vital for the series as a whole. So I think for that alone, it's got to be like a seven and a half out of 10 because ultimately like, like at the end of this episode, we need Sam to be at a place where he is reckoning with the past while embracing the future. And I think that's such a hard line to walk. And I think that they excelled at it by the end. So for that alone, I mean, I certainly, if we had spent a bit less time on the boat, that would have been nice. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, if maybe we didn't have so much of the, of the Sam and Bucky dynamic, I don't know. I, are you guys, do you guys like, do you guys think that they're like America's best comedy team um, no. since Siskel and Ebert? Like, I don't, it's, <laughs> I don't get the people who are like, Oh man, they're so funny. Like at the end of that scene where they have like their like male bonding moment, they have to be all like, yeah, but like, we're just like coworkers. We don't actually like each other. We just have like a friend. Oh, in like, bro. yeah. Like, all right, <laughs> what, do we, what do we call it? The best uh, will they, won't they rom-com of the yeah. 2021. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it so, was just like you could be emotional, guys. Like you literally yeah. just were having this huge conversation about like putting the past behind you and empathy, all this shit. You can do it. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I Many would watch people. like a. I would watch like a sixteen-minute short about Bucky romancing Sam's sister. I would. I would really enjoy that. They, they had more chemistry than most of the characters that showed those two together. I'm like, that's yeah, that's great. Let's see that. <laughs> Yeah, make that happen. And Sam can, like, deal with it because she's a grown woman and she can make her own choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're going... But yeah, so the point is seven and a half out of ten. Yeah. Uh, Ryan? I'm going to give it a seven. Um, again, I, 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 I agree with Alex. I think organically, like, Sam ends up... This was his... I mean, this was his episode, really. Where last week, I think that we were kind of like, well, who's kind of in control of the narrative here? Um, I like where he ends up organically. Obviously he's opened up that case. His decision is made. So I do love that. It had a lot of my most favorite scenes in the whole thing, but also a lot of my least favorite ones. But I think it's still so important to the series as a whole. So I can't come. I, I mean, I can't like completely shit on it, but so I'm going to go with a seven, seven. Alfred. I'm going to go with an eight. And I think because the the issues that have been brought up about this episode were length, um, you know, some structure issues. But other than that, I think we've been singing the praises of this episode in terms of some of the, you know, super strong scenes. Uh, I think people are going to like this episode a lot less when they realize that Sharon Carter is, in fact, the power broker. Um <laughs> Dumb son of a bitch. But I just want to say, like, for the record, I would love it if Emily Van Camp was like a badass mob boss in the MCU. That would be so great. Yeah. So I'm not rooting against it. I just no, don't no. think it's happening. I think it is happening because of that reason, is because we've never seen, and I said this, I think, the last episode or episode before, we've never seen the heel turn in the MCU. We've never seen, you know, <laughs> wrestling. Uh, we've never seen. A, 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 a hero 
go to the dark side, go to the, you know, um, and it'd be interesting to see that with uh, Agent 13, someone so close, you know, we we already have like, everyone's tangentially connected to Steve Rogers, right? So it's, it's you know, what happens when you get fucked over by the government in a not so literal sense? And she has every right to be a villain uh, now, honestly. But what is connecting her to the MCU outside of that? Steve's love interest? Mm, nope. So it makes sense in that standpoint. Um, I, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode between starting with the fight scene. This, you know, penultimate episodes are weird. You can get, you can get something like Blackwater, which is one of my favorite penultimate episodes ever. Uh, Game of Thrones, one of the coolest action sequences and the first time we were ever um, in one part of Westeros for the entire episode, which I really loved. I think that's the first time was was Blackwater. I think so. That's gold standard for me for penultimates. Then you get, you know, the setup episode for the big, big finale. And you always have to think that this is not a six episode Disney plus series. This is a giant Marvel movie. So I can't think of it in the, the standard TV sense. So in that case, that is why I give it an eight because it did everything you need to do to set up for the finale. Gave me some great scenes along the way, some cool, you know, that action sequence at the beginning, more Wyatt Russell is always great. The intro of Julia Louis-Dreyfus and of course some potential fodder for the future of the MCU. Eight. I've been going back and forth with this uh, during the entire episode. So I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with an eight as well. Um, the, the scenes that landed really well were really stuck with me. The Carl Lumbly scene, the opening action sequence, those were just absolutely fantastic. The Val scene is amazing, but my concerns with this, you know, I mentioned, you know, Alex, you so brilliantly put it, just the connective tissue really isn't there, you know, between, and, and it's a little too long, but also I guess my thing is it's kind of a little, do we care as much about the flag smashers and what they're going to do is that seems to have taken like not even a backseat that is, that is strapped to the roof at this point, it, it, or they're just dragging it behind it. Like cans and an old timey wedding, you know, on a car. Like it's, <laughs> it's just way back there. Just like, we're taking over the, the what was a GRC meeting with that one Senator who's a real jerk, you know? And it's just like, I don't care if he gets shot, you know, it's just like, it's like, that feels like, meh, like who cares? Like it, it's an afterthought. And then he'll come as Captain America and save the day. I feel like so the stakes there aren't awesome for me, but Sam becoming Captain America, you know, uh, set and then setting the pieces on the table for the next few MCU series or whatever to, is, or movies or whatever's to come. That's more interesting to me than them being the Flag Smashers if they beat them. I would love it if they didn't beat them and we see them in season two because I thought it was like, okay, Carly Morgenthau is a cool character who we haven't spent enough time with. So, yeah, if she made it to season two. Sweet. Let's, let's see that. Uh, but yeah, there was, there is some flaws in this one, but I think the big stuff really hit for me. So I'm going to give it an eight. So we all generally like this episode. We're all roughly in the same ballpark. So we're heading into the finale and let's hope it's awesome. And I have to write the reviews. So I hope it's good. Um, <laughs> let's um, we're, we ran a little long this week. So if you guys still want to do the recommendations, we can, but I think we should just talk about, 
the big new the big thing that dropped today, and that is the trailer, <laughs> kind of out of nowhere, of Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, that's starring um, Simu Liu, Liu, Aquafina, Tony Leung, Michelle Yeoh, uh, and it follows this character who seemingly isn't tied to the MC like the MCU. It does not have any cameos from any of your familiar faces. Uh, so guys, uh, Alex, you're, like I said, you're the guest, so you're the first to go. Your thoughts, I know oh you told me in real time what you thought about this trailer, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, what did you think about, uh, what's your relationship with the character, if you, if any at all, and just your thoughts on this trailer that we saw? Yeah, I have zero relationship with this character. I really only know him as a character whose name has been bandied about for like better part of six years as maybe getting a movie soon. <laughs> um, yeah, but say- I really... Yeah, I'm a been, I'm a big 2001. There's been a Shang Chi. It's been in development. Yeah, but it's I mean sure, but like it's it was definitely one of those in like the post phase when everybody towards the back half of phase three was saying like okay what is the next era of Marvel? What is it going to be? Many many people were saying it's going to be Shang Chi. It's going to be Shang Chi. Um and uh, and they were right. It was and I think that that's awesome. I love the representation. Getting to see um this uh, sort of like uh, Asian diaspora represented in a, in a way that is similar but not exactly the same to like Black Panther a few years ago. Um, a lot of the Asian critics that I follow on Twitter very very excited about this film and I really respect that. I think that um it looks awesome. I'm a big fan of uh, the director. Uh, uh, Dustin uh, Daniel Cretton. Uh, he directed a very tiny indie movie um, a number of years ago called Short Term 12. It, it has, at the time, a, a cast of like a lot of like cool up and coming actors who have gone on to become like like world conquerors, like uh, Brie Larson and um, uh, uh, Rami Malek and um, Lakeith Sanfield, um, just like a really great ensemble. It's an excellent little movie about like these kids, uh, about these like barely adult people who are running this sort of like short term housing facility for like these um, at risk youth um, who have had to like leave their um, home for whatever reason. It's like very intimate drama, very, very great. And he kind of just like has faltered, in my opinion, as a director since then, trying to do more studio stuff that just didn't really land as well, like The Glass Castle, um, for instance. And I'm so excited that he's that he's doing this. I was kind of surprised when I saw because it's just such a departure for him. But seeing the trailer, seeing all of the colors and like all of the action and it just like is so it looks so dynamic and so different from what we're used to. And it and it's I'm really, really looking forward to seeing him stretch his muscles. So I'm very excited about that, most of all. And uh so this is going to be released in the second part of the question, and this is you guys are going to all going to get the same question. The this is being released in September was originally scheduled for February of this year, then pushed to yep. July, and then with Black Widow going to July, obviously pushed to September. <laughs> this is not going to be a concurrent Disney Plus release. This is as of right now, it's going to be straight to theater. Ooh. How do you think, given that this does not at current trailer? Does not have any other connections to the greater MCU with different characters and crossovers. Like we've seen like Spider-Man Far From Home. We saw Iron Man in the trailer a million times. Like, how do you think this spares at the box office? 
Well, I think it's an it's going to be an origin story. It's going it's a culturally significant origin story like Black Panther. So I think that it's the correct choice to not bog it down by a lot of like other characters that we already know to be like, hey, just in case you're like not cool with seeing Asians lead their series, here's this white guy to like hang out with. Like that or would not be a great look. Another movie, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, Black Panther was in Civil War, for example. He was he was introduced in Civil War, but like his world very much wasn't until. So I think that that makes sense. I mean, Tony Lung plays a. Uh, he plays the Mandarin in this film, which is a character who was previously um, appropriated in Iron Man 3, um, I think is the best way of putting it, um, by Guy Pierce's character. Um, and so I think there is that. There is a little bit Mandarin. of. <laughs> what? He's not the Mandarin. Who? Guy Pierce. Well, he is. Well, in Iron Man three, he he's not he, the Mandarin. He we'll says talk about he's the Mandarin a lot on, <laughs> on the podcast that I'm doing with you very soon. Yeah, basically, he appropriates Mandarin. the identity of the Mandarin to create like a false impression of like what a global terrorist would be, right? And he uses the name. He hires an actor to play him, whatever. And that is it like appropriation the- if it's for something bad. Yes. Um. Yes. Yeah. That's. Yes. It's almost. I mean, sometimes it's appropriation for something good, but it always is bad. Also. So. <laughs> Sorry, I had to, I had to think about that for a second in terms of like I don't know. This is weird for me, in the no, sense of yeah. like, a pro, it's like appropriating Hitler, like in the sense you know what I mean. I can't I can't explain uh, it. Like he's a villain. Like he's not a good dude, Mandarin. Like I'm just saying. Like I don't know. No, it's but he like very thing. cynically like uses this kind of like. But he doesn't use like stereotype of a person in order to further his like very Western militarized agenda. So I, it's, that's why I used appropriate. Um, but, but he, but we're going to learn that Tony Long, uh, Leong is the real Mandarin and he's like this crazy mob guy who also knows Kung Fu, I guess. I don't know. Um, so we're going to learn more about that. He's got a son who seems like he's not a big fan. I like that. I like parental issues with my superhero characters. I think that's I thought important. you were just going to say, I like parental issues. Love parental issues. <laughs> if it's in my story, I'm in. I'm going to the movies. So yeah, I, I think that is like a little, like that's a loose thread. And you know, uh, Marvel is full of surprises. They might end up with something else. I think that they're, they're right now they're setting up kind of spheres of influence where different pieces are going to be coming together. And there are rumors about how the events of Shang-Chi can lead into other things and can maybe even draw in uh, guest characters who we're not expecting right now. But all of that's like Reddit stuff. So I don't want to even breathe yeah. life into yeah. it because we don't know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it'll necessarily be as completely disconnected from everything. Um, but I do I do like the direction that the trailer is giving us. And I'm not worried. I think that this is going to do gangbusters. Like, I think people have been wanting this from a Marvel movie for so long. And I think that people are going to show up for it. Ryan, yeah. uh, two-part question. Your your thought, uh, a three-part question. Any previous relationship with this character? What do you think of the trailer? And how do you think it's going to do with the box office? No, I have no prior relation with this character. And that makes me very excited to kind of be able to go in blind and be like, all right, everybody. And I will feel like I'm not the nerd for like the first time. Just be like, (laughs) okay, this this is what this feels like. Um, (laughs) But you know what? It's crazy because as everything was kind of getting pushed down the line and like Black Widow is getting moved back a year and then it was the Eternals and Shang-Chi. I feel like this was kind of the one that I was the least excited for because I didn't know anything about him. But yeah, after that trailer, I was just like, this is pretty much like 
something's always moving in like every frame, whether it's just him doing like a push up or the water is like moving around. I'm very much into it now. And Aquafina, I mean, I'm I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm just Nora from Queens excited. herself. <laughs> she did it. She did a my best friend messaged me one day and was just like, you know Aquafina? I'm like, yeah, of course. And he's just like, watch this video. She did this sketch, and the principal of my high school was like the main subject of like he was in it acting with her. And I'm just sitting there the whole time. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> just like the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It was like because he was like a voiceover guy. That's what he did on the side. He was a like voiceover actor. But now here what? he is, like front and center. Yeah, he was like a, a voiceover actor. So I'm like, okay, is he narrating this? Like, because he said, oh, our principal. And I'm just like, oh, he's the narrator because I know his voice. No, he's front and center in it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I think we need to do a whole podcast about your. Yeah, I have so many questions. Too many questions. I I don't have answers, guys. I just saw this thing and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, But anyway, yeah. Uh, If you give me a hundred chances to finish that story from my friend told me to watch his Aquafina video and like I would never get to. No. That that is that, that was. Well, how do you think I was when I watched this? Like you're never gonna believe it. And I'm like, all right, but I never was gonna believe it. You're right. My voice yeah. acting principal was in this video <laughs> with Aquafina. Not the thing ever, man. I did not have that on my bingo board. So no. So um, I'll I'll let you close it out. But uh, for me, uh, I'm very excited for this. Um, I'm naive to a lot of Marvel stuff. So I'm the guy who's in the movie theater where Ryan's like, I know what's going on. I'm like, I don't. Uh, and uh, Fuck up, Bill. I know. Uh, and it's just, yeah, I, everything about this, the style was amazing. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, I don't think we really saw her in the trailer. I mean, I've always been a big fan of hers. She's so great. I love her so much. I, I remember the first time I saw her in Super Cop when they re-released in America. I was like, she's the best. <laughs> then right. Super uh, Cop, the cop that can't be stopped. Okay. <laughs> Bill, Bill is your principal also a, a voiceover actor? <laughs> Super if he was, I would have probably liked it less. Uh, but it was uh, no. I I'm just excited about everything. It just it looks so refreshing, and it just looks so different. And it also looks like there's a lot of real funny. It's like a lot of real funny moments in there. Like you know, Shang Chi's like gang of friends look like it's gonna be like a real like it's gonna be like a real cool supporting team for him. And like Tony Leung is awesome. Like I've seen him in Infernal Affairs, and which was the source material for Departed, and Hardboiled, and uh, which is John Woo movie with Chang and Fat. And I've always liked him. And I'm just like, I haven't seen Chungking Express. I do want to see that though. And then it's just like, so I'm like, this is someone a lot of people in America haven't seen before. He's super good. And just so there's all this stuff that's coming together. I think also like this is going to do real well. It has the MCU pedig- cachet. And it's also, hopefully by September, most of this country is vaccinated If and we're going to want to go back to the movies. I mean, it was just announced in New York that I think 30% capacity for movie theaters. Um, so it's like, hopefully by September, post-Labor Day, you know, we'll be good, you know, or close to good enough where a lot more people can go to the movies, I hope, God willing, and it'll clean up. And if mm-hmm. it's not, they'll release... They'll do the simultaneous thing with Disney Plus probably, and it'll do great because people will be like dying for another Marvel movie. If Godzilla yeah. versus Kong can do well, I think uh, we're in. It was, really, <laughs> it was a really fun, stupid movie, guys. Um, Al, before you go, can I just say one thing that I absolutely love? Today is Simu Liu. 
Is that his name? Simu Liu? The, the Simu, actor from Simu Liu, yeah. Today is his birthday. So he posted the poster and he was like, guys, it's my birthday. Now I'm giving to you. Just like, enjoy this. And then Marvel was like, actually, you know what? Happy birthday. Here's the trailer. And if that's not an argument that Marvel is just the best company to work for. Yeah, because he's like, because underneath he's like, here's the poster. The trailer will be out in a few weeks. And they're like, yes. nope, happy birthday, bud. I love that. So smart. So um, smart. I love that constantly, constantly this happens. And you can go back generations. It almost seems that every time DC or Marvel releases something, they also happen to have to do something on the same day to like one up each other or attempt to at least. And it's like they drop this trailer and uh, DC was like, ah, do we have anything? Literally <laughs> anything. Can we share something? They're like, we did a new logo for like the flash movie. They're like, Never do it. Yeah, Just release it, please. Because we have nothing to talk about right now. Everyone's I, talking about this trailer. I also, I just saw a headline and I just have to read it. Um, according to slash film, Zack Snyder was recently quoted as saying yep. that Batman V Superman was originally going to be called son of son and night of night. And I just Fuck like, you guys. <laughs> I just need everyone to know that. Um, because it's absurd. <laughs> they said, we wanted the we wanted the title to be poetic. I'm yeah, like, you need to stop doing rails before yeah. writing. It's just like, dude, yeah. that's something I would have thought of if, like, at, when I was 13, to be like, I am so deep. Yeah. And uh, who knew? <laughs> me no, I just, pain, you know, at 13. But, going yeah. going back to the trailer, um, I got some Doctor Strange vibes in terms of like tone and not not tone of like what they were trying to talk about in the film but more of just like this is the first marvel origin story they were getting in a while that's like you don't know who this character is like you literally go try to try to go to a comic shop and look under s for shang chi and try to find a comic you won't because he was introduced in a series a long-running series in the 70s and 80s called Master of Kung Fu. Uh, or, uh, yeah, I think it's Master yeah. of Kung Fu. So, like, he's super obscure. Um, so that's one thing. And I just got, I got the vibe of, like, this is new. This is new to us as viewers. We're exploring a whole new world. And, I, and I, I'm also getting the parallels of Black Panther of, like, is this going to do well in the box office? there's a huge population that went out to a movie called crazy rich Asians. Cause they never had any representation mm. really in cinema, especially in yeah. such a big, bad way. So I think this movie is going to do fucking crazy money. Um, just, just for that reason alone, just that the, you know, this is unprecedented. This kind of cast is unprecedented um, in this type of film. So I'm super excited for this. I think it's going to be, really fun uh just seeing the train sequence and the parallels to um <laughs> spider-man 2 the, the sam raimi spider-man 2 i thought that was cool but like just the actual fight sequence seeing him kind of unleashed was really cool in that there was also some like crouching tiger vibes i was getting from mm. some of the the the, the yeah the it seems like we're definitely gonna get some usha action which is really yeah. exciting i just want like he's like the mat uh he, you know, he is the master of Kung Fu, but like what Dr. Strange did visually, I want that visually You're gonna get that. Uh, for fighting, you know, mm -hmm. I hope they hired the goddamn stunt coordinators for Daredevil for this. Like, Jesus, come on. 
but it's not scary. the cinematographer. So no. I want to be able to see the. Frame. You want to see it? Oh. <laughs> yes. Alex. Now you're asking for a lot. So, so demandy. Uh, so on that note, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you guys so much. This was an extra long one, but they, a lot happened in this episode. Uh, so Alex, you were our guest. Uh, you have a lot of plugs. So let's uh. let's let's hear them, dude. Do you want me just yeah. do it for you? No, we could do them together. We could like tag team. Um, so you can follow my, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Media Thinkings. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. You can follow my film podcast, Cinema Joes at Cinema Joes. We release every other Thursday, most of the time. Uh, Al is going to be coming on in a couple of weeks to talk about more Marvel stuff, which is very exciting. We're going to, yeah. we were supposed to be recording an episode on Black Widow and then Black Widow got moved again for the millionth time. So now we're going to do an episode all about um underrated uh marvel movies and you're like but marvel movies are like the king of the world how could you be underrated but there are some controversial hot takes and we're going to be getting into them so we're looking no forward to that dark world are they oh yes they are <laughs> somebody is somebody's gonna stand for it and it's gonna be it's it's been a fight that this podcast has been uh looking forward to for quite some time it, it had to happen eventually um but uh in addition to that uh you can also follow um pop break tv that has a slew of podcasts including two podcasts that i host uh tv break with bill um and our uh columnist uh josh Chernacki. um that comes out uh the first week of every month um where we just talk about the ins and outs of the TV world. Um, I also host Goodbye to All That, as Bill said earlier. Um, and that is kind of like an after party for our favorite shows. We are going to be doing an episode on Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, with the with Michael T. Ford III, uh, who is the host of the Racial Draft podcast. Uh, and he's a collaborator of Marvel News Desk. Um, really looking forward to that episode. Um, that'll be coming out uh, a couple of days after the finale. So if you're enjoying um, what I have to say here um you'll be happy to know that i don't talk as much on that podcast because i'm asking questions more than talking <laughs> um and then uh also on that podcast feed um we have a new show every wednesday um in addition to the two that i host we also have uh blurred watchers um with uh courtney and marshall uh they're both covering uh the winter soldier falcon and the winter soldier and also invincible the Amazon show on their next uh, podcast. So definitely check that out. If you're enjoying this, I know if you follow Marshall on Twitter, you know that he is really enjoying invincible. So I'm excited to hear what he has to say about it. Very stoked about this trailer too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other podcast that we have on Wednesdays over there is uh, the, T- the Anniversary Brothers uh, with Josh and Aaron. And this month they covered goodbye. Uh, <laughs> they covered Game of Thrones, uh, their 10th anniversary, uh, which is like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm very much over Game of Thrones. But if you want to commiserate with uh, the boys, you could do that over there. Um, we also have a uh, podcast that's out every Monday on Pop Break TV called Live, Laugh and Lovey. Uh, they're covering Married at First Sight right now. They're going to be covering The Shy uh, when that starts up in a few weeks. So if you're not into Married at First Sight, you can check out their coverage of The Shy next month or in June, maybe. I forget. But as soon as that show comes on, they're going to be uh, talking about it weekly. Um, We also have Roses and Rejection, which is our Bachelor podcast. Um, That's every Friday. Uh, Bachelor is currently on hiatus, so they're kind of on every other week, although uh, we're having back-to-back episodes because there was some big Bachelor news about a certain uh, gay bachelor. So they're going to be covering that. (laughs) And uh, then they're also going to be talking about some... (laughs) 
they're going to also be talking about some uh, Netflix uh, reality dating shows over there while while Bachelor is on hiatus. Uh, so yeah, check out all that stuff. Um, we also have a whole other podcast feed called The Breakcast, which has been... Uh, ha- it's had its soft launch in the month of, of uh, April, I think we could say. Uh, we're rolling out shows. Uh, it's going to be every Tuesday. There's going to be a new show. Um, we have Bill is hosting a wrestling podcast. Um, my friend Luke France is hosting a music podcast. It's really cool. The first episode of that is going to be coming up um, in a couple weeks. It's going to be all about Selena. His show is basically about um, artists that are gone too soon, unfortunately, that uh, had uh, really exciting uh, careers that were cut short um so his first episode is going to be on selena it's a really cool podcast i'm excited for people to finally check that out um we also have animu which comes out last week of every month um that's uh rachel and iris hosts an anime podcast over there um they talk about anime and manga uh and then we also have the anniversary brothers again talking about movies uh so uh this month they talked about james and the giant peach which is celebrating an anniversary and that's a movie that was close to my heart when it came out when I was in first grade. So I'll be excited to see how it holds up. <laughs> but yeah, that's all the stuff. Ryan, uh, where can people find you on social media? Also, Oh, oh sorry. Oh, yeah. Also, I write a monthly uh, uh, super uh, hero column uh, called Super Sundays with Alex that you could check out. Uh, this past month, I talked about uh, the CW's uh, problem having to come up with finale series finales for some of their shows in light of their interconnected universe. That's all the stuff. Alex is a busy, busy man. Um Ryan, yeah, your people shit, eat, and go outside. <laughs> it is a full-time job. <laughs> you do, oh. yeah. <laughs> I could have peed and come back and still been in the middle of that. Yeah. I did. <laughs> in his pants, but it's, you know, it's, it's a it's a lot of other people's work in addition to mine. Yeah. I'm just a supervisor okay. on all this. All right, uh, I don't Ryan. have as money, so buckle up. But you can find me uh, on Instagram at Ryan Barry. Was only joking. Do you have any more uh, open No, mic? Bill, I don't have any shows coming up, but I will let you know when they are available. Stop pushing me, Dad. Okay. I'm sorry, son. I just want you to get out there again. Um, Al, where can people find you on social media? You can find the other less hostile Ryan Berry at... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> kidding. Um, no, uh, I love Ryan. I love this Ryan. Um, you the other can Ryan find... we've had on the podcast? I'm going to send you a picture of the other Ryan Barry, and then you're going to immediately wish you knew him instead. (laughs) You can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter. Blue check verified. No reason. Instagram, not verified. Posting all month long pictures of my son. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to post a photo every day. For 365 days, we're at like day 107, 108 at this moment in time. It has been a failed experiment thus far, and I'm going to stick with it. Absolutely. You yeah. Fail gloriously with it, my friend. And if you must follow me on Twitter, I am at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S, where you find me retweeting stuff from thepopbreak.com and uh, wrestling stuff. So as Alex said, I am the host of this Wrestling Life, a podcast. Uh, I just launched episode zero, which you can find the Breakcast feed, uh, where especially we're talking about wrestling fandom and also championing underrated wrestlers. This month, I talked about uh, Jerry Lynn, uh, which no one will know but me. 
on this podcast. Uh, so you can find that on uh, the, like the Breakcast feed, which is on Apple, Google, Anchor, and Spotify. Uh, of course, check out thepopbreak.com. Every single day we're talking about music, TV, film, comic books, anime, digital trends, pro wrestling, all that good stuff. We're on Twitter at the Pop Break. We are forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook. Uh, we're at the Pop Break on Instagram. And of course, uh, like I said, check out our Oscar podcast on all those platforms I hadn't mentioned before. So for Alex, Ryan, and Al, my name is Bill Bodkin. Thank you so much for joining us. And next week, we're coming to an end of this horribly named review series. <laughs>